to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. This morning, Ephesians chapter 5. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Ephesians chapter 5, and when you're there, you can stand, and we will read the Word of God together this morning. We are continuing our series called the Rags the Riches series, and we are looking at uh, the first three chapters defined for us the worth of the believer, and the last three chapters defined for us the walk of the believer, and that's where we find ourselves this uh, morning in chapter 5, speaking about the walk of the believer. We will pick it up in verse 21. Verse, actually, we'll pick it up in uh, verse 22. Here is what the word of the Lord says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. You didn't know you were coming for that today, did you? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and what a fantastic set of passages we have before us, Lord. This exhortation for wives and for husbands, as we are talking about this concept of submitting one to another, that you would help us this morning, God, to not listen to this sermon for somebody else, but we would listen to this sermon for ourselves, Lord that you would speak directly to us, God. We know that regardless where we find ourselves this morning, your word is, it will meet us where we are, and we thank you for what you're going to do this morning in this place. Lord, we ask you to come by your spirit and, and speak to us now. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We are in one of those places in, in the scriptures where, oh boy, what a joy. What a fun, fun passage. And I'm excited to, to, to be able to explain this passage to you this morning. Uh, really, where we left off last week, if you recall, is the sermon title was Walking Carefully. And it was all about, you know, the, 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 the concept of us having to really monitor and examine every step that we take in life because the question is are we stepping closer to the Lord are we walking away from the Lord that's why we have to walk carefully now there was one particular um, thing that Paul pointed out to us last week about how we are to walk carefully what is the 
the, the, the mode in which we are called to walk carefully. Anybody recall? What is the, the mode in which the Christian is called to walk? Who is the power of the Christian? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We, we cannot walk carefully if we are not walking in the Spirit of God. It's impossible. In fact, if you're walking carelessly, it is a result of not walking in the Spirit of God. But we're called to be filled, like be being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk carefully, so that we can examine ourselves, so that we can examine our steps, so that we can watch where we are going. The Spirit will cause us to evaluate every footstep, not just in general ways, but in very specific ways. And in fact, Paul would tell us very specifically in verse 20 uh, something very crucial to every human relationship that we have on this earth, and that is this, that we are called to submit to one another as unto the Lord, as to Jesus. He said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you recall that I said, listen, the, your, your capacity to, to, to love your wife, your capacity to submit to your husband, your capacity to obey your parents, your capacity to minister or to, to uh, you know, manage your employees or serve your boss has to do with one thing. It has to do with your reverence for Christ. Probably didn't think of it that way. Of course it does. He's saying, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives, right? Chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. You can't, you can't do that unless you're revering Christ. It's an obedience thing to Christ. I revere Christ. I fear Christ. I respect Christ so much that I will do whatever is necessary in my life to obey him. That's what this is saying. As he goes on, he talks about the parent-child relationship in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And he tells us that children obey your parents. Now, how can you do that? You must do it, what? In reverence to Christ. It's a reverence thing. He moves on to the employee, employer relationship, the, the slave to the master, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And he tells them, you know, slaves, obey your masters again. The concept, it all comes back to revering Christ. Oh, you mean that, that applies to my boss here it, on this earth? Yeah, it does. Your reverence to Christ, your obedience to Christ. If you believe that God has a plan for your life, then you believe that God placed you in your place of employment for a purpose. You obey the Lord. And I had, a, interesting enough, I had a guy tell me one time, you know, he, he was just, unsettled in his, in his job. He had such a difficult time, like, just coming to work and doing his job and stuff. And, and, and I told him, dude, why don't you look miserable, man? Why don't you quit? And you know what he said to me? Because the Lord hasn't told me to yet. And I was like, wow, wow. Well, that's, it. that's, that's amazing because God has a plan, and he had him there for a reason. In fact, that guy's still there. He still works at that place. Pretty amazing thing. Why? Because he believed that God told him to be there, and he stayed there. Even though he wasn't having fun, he stayed in obedience to the Lord. As we come to this passage here, Paul wants to, he, he, he starts with a general call, what I call a, a mutual submission, and this is specific to the church. He says, submit one to another. This is speaking about brothers and sisters in Christ that we are called to mutually submit to one another. Now, you might recall from last week the word submit, what it means. 
It's a military term that means to fall in rank. Now, it's also used outside of a non-military use of it would be voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. What, what Paul is saying to you and I at the, at, at, in chapter 5, verse 20, he's telling you and I that we need to fall in rank. We need to fall under the rank of Christ. He is our chief and commander. And we're called, he's, he's commanding you and I to submit to one another. We are called to do that. Now, it is, listen to this carefully, a voluntary required command. It is a voluntary required command. Well, that seems like an oxymoron. No, it's not. Just like when you uh, came to Christ, you crowned him Lord of your life. It was a voluntary required command. You see, you don't have to make Jesus your Lord right now. He's given you the free will to do whatever it is that you wish to do. If you don't want to call him Lord, you don't have to call him Lord here. But you will call him Lord one day. The Bible commands us that every knee will bow in heaven and earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, right? One day, everyone will bow their knee. But as it sits today on this side of heaven, you don't have to. It's a bad decision. It's a terrible choice. But God's given you that right. You don't have to submit to him. But listen, if you do, if you have submitted to him, if you have crowned him Lord of your life, then you must do what he says. In fact, Jesus said it himself in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my voice and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house, and it could not shake it because it had been built, well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and was ruined, and the ruin of that house was great. What is Jesus saying to you and I today? If you call me Lord, you need to do what I say. You need to obey me. I am the chief and commander of your life. I'm your Lord. Please listen to me. He listen. I promise you that he will not lead you astray. He will not lead you into a place that is not beneficial for you. It might not feel good in the moment. We know that. But we also know equally that the Lord always uses wherever he leads us, wherever he allows us to go even, for our good. And sometimes it's painful, but listen, it's in those painful times that we press in closer to the Lord. So if you look at it in a balance, it's worth it. It's worth it. Obey the Lord. We must obey him if he is our Lord. It is foolishness not to. He's telling you and I, as it relates to every person in the church, not just to the pastor, not just to the elders, but to every single person within the body that we are called to submit one to another. There has to be that mutual submission to each other. I'm relinquishing my rights because I care about you more. It's not a positional thing in the church. It's all about obeying Jesus Christ. We are what? One body. We are many members of one body. Jesus Christ is the head. We're part of him. And therefore, we ought to submit to one another. We should be working in 
you know, together, locking arms together, as your body does, working in conjunction with one, each part, working in conjunction to what? Allow the brain to tell us exactly what to do. And so the Lord calls us, you and I, uh, to submit to one another, and the, the mode of that, the purpose of that is that that would reflect our reverence for Christ. Again, it's impossible for you and I to do this outside of the Spirit of God. We need to operate in the Spirit of God. Because I'll tell you, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, what am I walking in? The flesh, right? And the flesh will not submit. The flesh is at war. It is in full rebellion against anything that has to do with God. And so when we come together and, and you know, hey, brother, hey, listen, you know, and, and someone tries to admonish you, encourage you, exhort you, you get your father's, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Oh, no, 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 I was just trying to encourage you. Well, you go away with your feathers all around. I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. Why? You're upset. Listen, we're called to exhort each other, to build each other up, to help each other. Sometimes we don't want to hear what we need to hear, though. So the Lord would tell us in those moments, die to yourself. Submit one to another. Sometimes we're supposed to say something, and what? We don't. The Lord says, hey, I want you to go talk to so-and-so today. I want you to to encourage them in this area, and you think like, oh, no, I can't do that. I don't, want, I don't want to do that. What would they think and all this kind of stuff? And you start playing the mental gymnastics, right? And, and the Lord's just saying, will you just stop and just go and just tell them? And you don't. And then the Lord knocks on your heart later, and he says, remember that? Listen, look, look what you could have, you, you could have spoken to their life in that moment and maybe made a difference in, rather than make that decision that they made. And you, you're convicted by that. The, the point is this, guys. Listen. Submit. Submit to Christ, and he will call you to submit to one another, and you, you'll be able to do that. But, but as we move into now every human relationship, we're going to look at specifically today the marriage relationship, the wife to husband, the husband to wife uh, relationship, and how that mutual call now becomes very specific in the marriage relationship. The title of my message this morning is Walking Submissively, Walking Submissively, and it'll be a two or three-part message. We'll, we'll look at uh, the child-parent relationship next week and possibly the, the slave-to-master relationship as well. We'll see where we, where we get on that. I, really, it would be more beneficial to take this all at once because that's the way that it's written. Really, you should be flowing straight out of verse 20 all the way through chapter 6, verse 9, and it should be kept in together all in context because what he is saying is, yes, it starts with a mutual submission, but then it works itself out in very specific relationships on the human level. But because I'm not, I don't want to keep you past 2 o'clock today, we'll just do the one, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'll get you out of here on time. But uh, so we're going to look at the husband-wife uh, relationship today. Now, um, it, it's, it's a... I've outlined it in, in really two main points. What it means for wives to walk in submission, verses 22 through 24. And there are a couple sub-points there, you'll see. We'll see that it's for the sake of lordship, for the sake of headship. And then what it means for husbands to walk in submission, to uh, walk in submission as well. And there are four specific ways that men are called to walk in submission to the Lord. He commanded us to love each other, our love, our wives, as Christ loved the church. We're called to love sacrificially, love sanctifyingly, which isn't a word, but I made it up, and personally, and then also love totally. So there's your outline for 
what we will go over today. It's pretty simple. The command for the wife is to submit to your husband. That's not complicated. Oh, for the husband. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's not complicated. <laughs> really, it isn't. Two commands. Aren't you thankful that there aren't ten? Because we, can, we can't handle the one, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult for us to just get past the one. Why? Because it is meant for you to die to yourself. God designed men and women very differently. And you know that. You know that, you know, when, when God designed man, he took dirt. We are dirt bags. He took us. He formed us. He fashioned us. He blew life into us. So we are formed from the ground. And, and, and then the Lord took what, what's called the rib of a man and made a woman. But really, it's the side. Really, that's the, really the, 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 the Hebrew word that's used there really means the side. So you're only half a man. I'm sorry to tell you that, but you are. But anyway, he took, look, he took from man and gave to woman. And I believe that he took the best parts and he gave to women. You know, and you can see the differences Men aren't very communicative, are they? I mean, there's a few. Now, there, there's, there are anomalies, right? But for the most part, you know, you know that when a man communicates, it's usually in one word uh, it, versus, you know, a wife that uses 20 words for, you know, very detailed kind of communicative, you know, conversation. Honey, how was your day? Good. Anything happen? Yep. Uh, well, well, what did God do? Not much. You know, that's how we communicate. But a wife, you come home and she'll tell you, you know, hey, how was your day? And next thing you know, 30 minutes later, you're like, wow, you had a fantastic day. It was great. God's designed us differently. He designed men and women to complement each other. And here's the thing. These commands, these commands for you and I, for wife and husband, if we don't obey them, your relationship will be a train wreck. Your marriage will be an absolute train wreck. Why? Because God knows what you need. He knows how you need to interact with each other. It's the creator knows how the creation should be fit together. And so he tells us very specifically how to do that. He says, wives, you just need to simply submit to your husband. Well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that, that goes against the grain. Husbands, you're called to love your wife as Christ loved the church, you know, and that's very specific. Well, why isn't that happening? It's all conditional. That's the issue. God is calling us beyond ourselves this morning. He's calling wives to get beyond themselves, husbands to get beyond themselves. If you're single here today, listen up because this will become something very important for you at some point in your life. If you're a child here today, listen up because this, this doesn't go away. If you want to have a good, strong, healthy marriage you need to listen up to, to what the Lord has to say to us today. We're going to begin by looking at what it means for wives to submit, uh, walk in submission. Look at verse 22 there. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Notice the command, wives, submit to your husbands. That's the what of the passage. Just, that is exactly what he's trying to communicate. And then he's going to, 
you know, kind of tell us on earth what, how we're called to do that. But you are called to submit. Again, lay down your own rights. Now, oftentimes, women look at this passage and, and they think like, well, that means that I am lesser. No, it doesn't. There is no lesser than or greater than in this human relationship. There is an equal to. Here is the difference, though. There is a hierarchy. God has structured this relationship very specifically for his purpose. I don't get to define what the relationship looks like. You don't get to define what the relationship looks like. God gets to define it because he created it. And listen, he created marriage for his purpose. It's an adjunct that you get benefit out of that relationship, but he created it for himself, for his glory, right? And you and I, there's an enjoyment with it, with, as with anything that the Lord does, because what God does is good, right? So you get, mutual, you get a benefit out of it, but that isn't the whole point of it. The whole point of it is for God's glory. And he's telling wives that they are to fall in rank, to submit to the hierarchy that the Lord has called you to. You know, you're not the chief and commander of your family, of your, of your uh, relationship with your husband. You are a high-ranking officer, yes, but you're not the chief and commander. Husband, you are not the chief and commander of this relationship either. You are the admiral. You are the, the highest-ranking uh, official below that, whether, whether it's the admiral or the field marshal or whatever it might be, you have a higher ranking than your wife, but, but there's a hierarchy. And Christ is the chief and commander. And so all that Paul is saying is you need to fall in line with this human relationship, this structure that God put in place. And if you do, it will go well for you. But if you don't, it won't. So that brings me to my first kind of point is, listen, if you're not married here today and you understand that if you're a woman and you're called to submit to your husband, you better pick the right one. You better be careful about submitting to, you know, look, look at the guy. Is he the guy that you can submit to? Is he going to lead you in the right way? Now, we understand that it will not be a natural thing for you. Every woman will have, as a result of the fall from the Garden of Eden, will have a desire, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. You're going to have a desire to, for his position. You're going to want to lead. It's going to be difficult for you to submit to, and, and, and listen, if, if particularly if you have the wrong guy. If you marry the wrong guy, it's going to be even harder. You, you think that you can missionary date and you're going to save somebody? Doesn't happen. Listen, you're going to marry a guy and think that he's going to come to Christ? Oh, man, don't make that mistake. Listen, that's why the Bible instructs us, both man and woman, not to be unequally yoked. Now, it, it does so happen that my wife was unequally yoked. And it does so just happen that I did get saved, not as a result of what she did, but the Lord called me into a relationship. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying you're in disobedience to the Lord if you walk into that relationship and you get into a relationship with an unbeliever. That's outside of God's will. Can he work in it? Of course he can. He, he's going to. He will. But that's not his will for you. 
His will for you is that you would be in the right relationship. So it's important that you, that you pick the right man, that you look at the attributes of the guy. Is he walking with the Lord? Or is he just acting like he's walking with the Lord? Time tells, doesn't it? That's why we don't rush into a relationship. We, we get to know somebody. We want to make sure that they're true to the Lord, that they're genuine in their walk with the Lord. Because listen, you will be called to this command. Wife, submit to your husband. Wife, submit to your husband. Now, here's the thing. Is, that there, is, there, is there anything that, that can happen in this relationship that, that where, where a wife can sort of abandon this command? Yes. Yes, if it's outside of Scripture, if it's outside of what the Lord's will is, if it's, if it's illegal, if it's debaucherous, if it's something that is totally against what the Lord commands in Scripture, then yes, we don't, that's, wh that's where we draw the line. It's the same thing with submitting to government authorities, right? I mean, it's the same idea. God has the final rule, and he has the final say on everything. But anything else other than that, listen, you, you need to submit to your husband. Why? Because it's a matter of lordship, number one. As to the Lord, it says. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's a matter of lordship. Just like you would submit to Jesus, you are called to submit to your husband. Well, my husband's not Jesus. Of course he's not. And he never will be, by the way. But here's the thing. Where does it say, wives, submit to your husband as long as... He's doing this. As long as he's making great decisions, you continue to submit to him. Does it say that? No. Does it say submit to him in some things? No, it says submit to him in everything. Why? Because it's a matter of lordship. It's a matter of lordship. It's a matter of obeying the Lord and, and doing what the Lord has to, is commanding us to do. Again, our, your ability to do this is not found in your flesh, ladies. It's found in the power of the Holy Spirit. In your flesh, you're going to what? Genesis 3.16, it, right? You're going to want that position. You're going <laughs> to go after You're going to say, you're not the head of me, and there's going to be a power struggle in the relationship. Why? Because that's your flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you into that, that correct form of submission to your husband. And he will help you do that. He will empower you to do that. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the command was to be being filled, right? We're called to continually be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can continually do that because it's a lifelong call, right? So it's a matter of lordship. It's also a matter of headship. Again, the Lord's structure. He has put the husband as the head of the household. Now, interesting enough, it, it, it's, it's interesting that if you look at next week, we'll see children obey your parents, We'll see slaves obey your masters. But notice here, it doesn't say wives obey your husbands. Why? Because he's not your Lord. He is the head. He's, he's part of the structure that God put in place, but he is not the one you're called to obey. You're called to obey Jesus. You're in relationship with Jesus, and you're called to obey him in this particular regard. Wives, submit, not obey your husbands. Husbands, if you don't understand, uh, you, you don't understand your role if you think you are the Lord of your wife. She only has one Lord, and his name is Jesus. 
You're called to be the head, the spiritual head, the physical head, the provider, the one that leads your family. You are called to be the example in your family. Wives are called to submit. What if he's not doing that? What if I'm in a situation where my husband's not being the head? He's not doing these things. Listen, there is no condition in which the Lord says, okay, well, well, don't submit now. Don't submit in that condition. But as long as he's doing everything, you know, then you, then you can go ahead and submit. But if he's not doing everything, you know, if he's not leading, then you can go ahead and do it. No, no, you're, there is no condition here. And, and here's what I would say. Does God lead somebody somewhere that they have the inability to do something? I mean, like, would he call you to do something you, have the, you don't have the capacity to do? Of course, yeah, in the spirit, right? You, you need the spirit. But would he call a man to be a leader in his home and then he not be a leader? No, absolutely not. Here's the thing is, if you don't let him lead, he'll never I'll unearth the, the capacity to lead, right? Maybe the issue is that it's, it takes time. He's gotta, he, he's gotta, you got to trust the Lord is what I'm telling you. you got to let him you know, unearth this leadership within him because it's in there. And you need to pray, to pray for him, and you need to ask the Lord, show him. Strengthen him, Lord. Come alongside of him. Build him up. Help him to be a leader. Don't tear him down. And, and, and you know, so we have to be careful about that in, in this particular relationship. Sometimes it's not a matter of if he's a leader. It's just a matter of he's not leading the way you like it. You don't like how he leads, and so you're saying, well, I could do it better. And listen. My wife could lead way better than me. My wife could lead way better than me, but I'm called to lead. So she has to assume her role. She has to fall in rank, and I too have to fall in rank. Listen, I mean, women are an, an incredible thinkers and very detailed and, and oftentimes have great insight, and there's room for that within this relationship. God isn't saying, you're the man and you make all the decisions. No, it's, it's a mutual thing. But here's, here's, the, here's the, the rub is when, you're, when, you, when a man is called to do something and the woman says, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that, at that point in time, you have to submit. You have to let him lead. Even if he leads you down the wrong path, you have to let him do it. And I know it's hard. And I know it's difficult, but you have to because it's an obedience to the Lord. And your reverence for Christ is at stake here. I mean, it comes down to you being reverent to Christ and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Can you trust him? Is he big enough to, to lead you through some, some muddy waters and things if, if, you know, and able to use your husband's stupidity to you know, kind of bring you to a better place? Of course he can because he's God, right? So the, the command is, is very simple. Now, Walking it out practically is difficult. I understand that. But nevertheless, you're called to it. Right? Women you, or wives, you're called to submit to your husband for the sake of lordship and for the sake of headship. Now, interesting enough, we move into to guys, and I don't know if you caught this or not, but 69, 68 verses deal with women, right? To wives, to husbands. Check this out. Like 173 verses deal with the husband to the wife. Why? It's like twice as many verses dealing with the guy than it is the girl because we need more help. That's why. Because we don't listen. You know, our directions, we don't need directions. We'll figure out this husband thing. No big deal, right? Uh, wrong. You need help. And the Lord says, I'm going to explain it to you in twice as many words so that you can get it. 
So listen up. Here, here's what it means for husbands to, sub, uh, to walk in submission. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Notice the command. Love your wives. It is a command to agape love. Again, they're, they're in the Greek. Love can be translated into four different sort of types of loves. There's more than that, but really four main ones. Uh, one's dealing with, a, with a, a phileo, a brotherly love. Eros is more of a passionate kind of love. Then there is the agape love, which is what he's talking about here. It is the, the, um, the unconditional, you know, the, the kind of love that is not based on how I'm being treated, but is, is doing it as a decision rather than a feeling. And that is what he is calling us to. Now, this fits a guy's personality because guys aren't generally as emotional, aren't generally as walking in feelings as women are, you know. And God took that maybe out of guys. I don't know. Some guys are more emotional than others. And, you know, I would consider myself a little bit more emotional. But, but I would say that, you know, in, in, in line with things and, and you know, that, that primarily it's, they're, they're less emotional. This is not an emotion. The love that God is calling a husband to love his wife with is not an emotional kind of love. What am I saying? When I pick my wife, I'm not supposed to be emotional about it. It's not, no, 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 they're, they're, listen, there's chemistry, right? I mean, uh, don't get in a relationship if you're not compatible with somebody. You know, I need to be married, so I'm just going to do it. No, don't do that. Like, it needs to be the right relationship. But what I'm saying is, is that it's not about the feelings. Because this is a decision. I love the way that um, it, it was explained here um, by William Barclay. He said, agape, agape has to do with the mind. It's not simply an emotion which rises unbidden in our hearts. It is a principle by which we deliberately live. Husbands, decide to love your wife unconditionally. It's not based on what she's doing. Let me ask you a question husband, when did Jesus start to love the church? When did he start to love the church? Well, let's just let Scripture answer that question. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, Paul said this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to be the praise of his glory and grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. When did Jesus start to love the church? Before the foundation of the world. Before now, now you're called to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Before the foundation of the world. What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, is that you should have been loving your wife. You should have already made a decision before you even met her to love her. That's what it's saying here. You, you, you're called to love your wife like that. It's a decision. I'm choosing to love her. Is it based on how she responds? How's the church respond to Jesus? Not very well. Right? Not faithful, but yet he's faithful. Right? He's calling you to be the man. He's calling you to stand firm in your love for your wife, not based on what she's doing, but based on your, your, your reverence to Christ and the command that he's given you. Love your wife. Love your wife. Well, she's not respecting me. I'm just, uh, you know, I don't like that. And, you know, and, then, and, that, and actually that's the, re that's the issue in the relationship. 
she doesn't respect you, and so you don't love her. But at the end of the chapter, it says, love her and respect him, right? Why? Because that's how we work. God knows. But he's calling you, husband, into this place where you are called to love your wife uh, without her loving you back. Like, it's not conditional. And I would say, parents, you know, begin to teach your young men this right now. That they, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked to our kids about praying for their spouses even now, you know. Begin to pray for your spouse, you know. But more than that, even men should be, our children, uh, boys should be praying for their wife. God, help me to love them right now, whoever they are. Help me to love them the way that I'm called to love them. And you be, begin to pray about that because it's not based on what they do. It's based on your decision to love them. And listen, that's, that, that takes incredible amount of Holy Spirit-generated love, right? Because she'll never be perfect. She'll never respond perfectly to every situation. She won't do it, I promise you. But this isn't a conditional thing. It's unconditional. You love her anyway. There are four specific ways that God calls the husband to love the wife. First of all, to love her sacrificially, as Christ loved the church and gave herself up for her, gave himself up for her. He loved the church, listen, sacrificially to the tune of his own life, right? I mean, he loved you and I, this thing we call the church, to the tune of his own life. And in fact, he loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you at your darkest moment. He was pinned to the tree when you were yet a still sinner. He died. He loved you sacrificially. John 15, 13, greater love is no one than this, than one that would lay down his life for his friends. Paul declared in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is how a husband is called to love his wife, sacrificially. I didn't say artificially. Sacrificially. You're called to love her like Jesus loved the church. Are you demonstrating your love for your wife by sacrificing for her husband? Are you sacrificing? What, what have you done for her lately? Jesus Christ was your substitute upon the cross. He took your place. Husbands, are you taking your wife's place ever? Do you ever step in and say, babe, let me take the load off. Let me help you out. Let me step into, let me just, just sit down. Take, I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of dinner. Very practical, simple thing that you can do to be sacrificial. What I'm, what I'm saying is sacrificial looks differently in all of our lives. For some of you to do that, it's like, that's like being crucified, right? I mean, I'm making dinner for you. I'm being crucified right now. Yeah, you know, for some of you picking up your laundry and putting it in the laundry basket's crucifixion. You know, whatever it might be for you. But you're called to love her sacrificially. Love her with a sacrificial heart. Jesus took the load. And husband, he's calling you to take the load. You protect your wife. You protect her in difficult situations. You bear the burden. You don't let her bear the burden. You bear the burden. And I'm speaking to myself. Be sacrificial. You take the load. Secondly, you're called to love her by sanctifying her. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify, uh, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without 
blemish. Jesus loves the church so much, listen, that he washes her. He washes you and I. He washes you with the water of the word. He, he brings the word of God into your life, and it just washes over you. And what does it do? It cleanses you. You know, I, you hide God's word in your heart, that, but you might not sin against him. There is a cleansing power in the word of God, and Jesus washes you with his word. And husband, you're called to wash your wife with the word of God. You're called to read the Bible to your wife. You're called to give her scripture. Why? To wash her, to just empower her, to bless her. Are you reading the scripture to your wife? Listen, it, it doesn't have to be every day. There is, no, you know, Jesus said, you better do it 24-7. No, I mean, listen, it's what works for your relationship. But you ought to read the scriptures to your wife. You're the priest in your home. You're called to bring the word. You're called to wash over her and, 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 and give her godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Don't wash over her with some worldly garbage. Wash her with the word of God. It'll refine her. It will bless her. It will grow her up. Listen, how about instead of, you know, complaining about what your wife isn't doing, why don't you just read the Word to her and let the Word of God do it? Why, instead of trying to transform her and change her into what you want her to be, why don't you let the Word of God renew her mind so that she can be transformed, right? Romans chapter 2, verse 12, or 12, verse 2. Listen, wash her with the Word. Husband, love your wife sanctifyingly. Also, Love her personally. Look at verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. But as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Did you know that Jesus loved the church so personally that he was willing to give up his own body for her? He loved the church so personally that he went to the cross willingly. In fact, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 2 says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross because he, was, he loved you so much that he was willing to give up his own body. You're his joy, the Bible says. He had joy over you. That's not happiness. Happiness is from the old English word happenstance. It's circumstantial. Depends on what's going on in my life. Am I, am I happy or am I sad? It's, it's all depending on my circumstances. That's not joy. Joy is consistent. Jesus loved you in your worst, and he had joy over you. He had joy over you in your darkest moments. The church was his joy. And we are called to love our wives in the same way, personally, at all costs, to give ourselves up for her. <laughs> it says here, for no one ever hated his own flesh. Oh, we say that. Oh, I hate myself. No, you don't. You love yourself. If you could give yourself a hug, you would. You'd be like, oh, I love you so much. You love yourself. It's true. And in fact, the more you say you hate yourself, the more you love yourself. Do you know that? The more selfish you become, the more you love yourself. The more selfless you become, the less you love yourself, right? That's the truth. The more you love Jesus, the more it's about him, right? A husband, there's that, there's that place where you say, hey, listen. Jesus didn't say don't love yourself, did he? No, he said love your wife like you love yourself. Why? Because he knows you love yourself. So you love her like you love yourself. You care for yourself. You nurture yourself. Oh, you're in the gym trying to get the muscles. You're, you're, you're taking care of your diet. You're doing all these stuff. Why? Because you're nurturing your body. 
You care about yourself. So you care about your wife too. You nurture her. You feed her. You bless her. You do that to her the same as you would do to yourself. You cherish her. You nourish her. You cater to her just like you would cater to yourself. Listen, you're called to love her personally. And finally, you're called to love her totally. Look at verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Jesus Christ came some 2,000 years ago, left his father, and came to earth to become one with you and I. He stepped out of eternity because he wanted to become one with you. He said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll do that for you. Why? Because he loved you before you were even born. He loved us totally. He held nothing back from us, giving us his all so that we could be one with him. And thus, husbands, you are called to love your wives in the same way. You're called to leave your father and your mother and hold fast to your wife. The two shall become one flesh. There comes a point in time in a person's relationship where that parental relationship changes. And, and for, for a husband, he is called to leave his father and his mother, and he is called to cling to his wife. They are called to become one. And we know that that's a struggle too, right? The in-laws, all, all of these different human, other human relationships that can intermingle in the marriage and mess it up. That's why the Lord says, no, no, just, it, it's complicated enough with just you two. You don't need anybody else in it, right? Just you two come together, you become one, and you let everybody else be on the outside. That includes your children, your children are an adjunct to your family. The husband-wife relationship is the oneness relationships that's being reflected in the relationship of Jesus and the church, right? And one day your children will do the same thing. They will leave their father and their mother, and they will cling to their husband their wife. They will do that, and they will become one. But if you don't do that, then you're going to have all these external influences in your relationship, you will not love your wife totally if you allow your father and your mother to be part of your marriage. You will not love your husband totally if you allow your father and your mother to be in your marriage. And, and it, that's just one relationship. I'm talking about any relationship. You will not love them the way that you're called to. And let me just say this, that your mother, your father is going to side with you. Hello? You go to them and you're telling them like, oh, man, she's doing this to me. She's doing that to me. Oh, he's doing this to me. He's doing that to me. Well, that, the, the, you know, and here's what you've done. Number one, you just assassinated your spouse's character in front of somebody else, and now they have a lesser view of that person. Do you know that? It's called gossip. Yes, it can happen with your spouse. And if you do that with your, your parents or your friends or whoever it might be, they are going to think less about your spouse, no matter what you say next. Oh, but he's so wonderful today. Yeah, but yesterday you said this, and I'm still thinking about that. You can't get those words back. That's why Jesus is telling us to preserve this relationship, to leave your father and your mother, and you come and you cling to each other. 
There is no greater relationship on earth, folks, no greater illustration of Jesus Christ and his love for the church than the husband-wife relationship. There is, this, this illustrates it beautifully if it's done correctly. But you have to be willing to, to give up everything because that's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, he tells us that he humbled himself, that he, he, he despised the shame. He, he didn't matter. He gave himself up. He clothed himself in human likeness and then he went to the cross and obediently laid down his life for you and I because he loved you totally. He didn't hold a single thing back. He left his father. He didn't have a mother. He left his father, and he came for you. He came for you, and he gave himself totally to you, and you're called, husband, to do that to your wife. You give yourself totally to her. Paul says this mystery is profound. It's profound. Why? Because it is an illustration. And it refers to Christ and the church. That's how Jesus loved you. And this is how you, he's, he's not calling. Listen, he's not calling you to do anything that he hasn't done. Wives, he submitted to the Father's will. He's calling you to submit. Husband, he loved you. He, he loved you so much that he gave himself up for you. You're called to do the same thing. He's not asking you to do something that he didn't do himself. And he fulfilled everything perfectly. And he filled you and sealed you with the Holy Spirit of God so that you could be the husband or you could be the wife that you're called to be. He's empowered you. He's blessed you. He has enabled you to, to be the person that you're called to be. Now, Listen, unfortunately, unfortunately, it takes more than one person to make a relationship, right? I mean, if you're in the relationship with somebody and you're pulling all the weight, then, you know, it's going to be difficult. But here's the thing is this is where you cling to Jesus all the more. We don't give up because we're in a difficult situation. L listen, divorce happens. And, you know, there's circumstances around that. We're not talking about that here. But I do think that it's important that we, we bridge the subject just for a second. Because there are going to be times in relationships where you've done everything that you can do. You have obeyed the command of Christ to be the person that you're called to be in the relationship. And the other person isn't doing it. There is what's called a sanctification of a believer to an unbeliever in the marriage relationship. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so if your husband or your wife is willing to live with you and they're an unbeliever, then you're sanctifying them. Your unbelieving kids, you're sanctifying them as the believer in the home. You know, and, and you just trust the Lord with that. But you are called to be who you're called to be in the relationship no matter what. Right? And wife, if your husband calls you to something outside of the scripture that's, out, that's ungodly, then that's where you yield to the Lord. And you say, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to submit to the Lord in this particular instance. Be careful about what it is that you do there. Husband, you know, you, if you're in a relationship and your wife isn't, she's an unbeliever, she's not loving you, you're called to love her anyway. I don't care what she's like. You're called, listen, God didn't put you in the relationship. You did, right? You chose to be in this relationship, and so the Lord, maybe the Lord told you in the first place not to, not to be in that relationship. But marriage is one of those situations where, you know, 
you're called to work every single day at it. Every single day it's going to take work. And if both of you aren't pulling the same way, it's going to be hard. But we don't give up. We don't, we don't exit the situation, right? We stand firm and we believe God and we revere Christ and we do what he calls us to do in the relationship. But listen, there, there comes a time where if, if uh, you know, you're in a relationship with somebody and they're, they're, they've completely abandoned it, then you need, to, you need to pray to the Lord. You need to ask the Lord what, he, what he's calling you to there. But you don't give up. If they gave up, then you know what? There's nothing you can do about that. The Bible says you do everything that you can to live at peace with all men. And I know there's, there's I, I've seen relationships like that where the person has pulled all the weight, they've done everything they're called to do, and then the other one exits. Not your fault. That's not your fault. But as it relates to you, you do what you can do in the relationship. And listen, you're gonna, there's going to be people in the world that are going to tell you differently. Oh, you need to dump that bum. You get rid of that zero, man, you know, because they're, they're, look at the harm they're causing you in your relationship. Listen, it's painful. Relationships are painful. Relationships hurt, but we don't exit them because we're hurting. What you can do, and God can change anything in an instant. That's the thing about our God. And so we go to the Lord, and we begin to pray. And listen, have you, maybe you need to fast over your relationship with your wife or your husband. Maybe you need to, you know, if you're in that, if your relationship is a train wreck, number one, the first thing you need to do, you need to look at yourself. What am I doing in this relationship? Husband, are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Probably not. So you can start there. Wife, are you submitting to your husband as unto the Lord? Uh, but, well, he's not loving. No, that's not what I asked. Are you submitting to your husband as unto the Lord? If not, then you can start there. The Bible, it's very simple. It works in every relationship. Get the log out of your own eye before you pick the speck out of your brother's eye or your spouse's eye or whoever it is, whatever relationship it is. You start with yourself. How am I contributing to this situation? Because it, it's funny how when we start to look at ourselves and evaluate our own, our own self, you know, when we examine our own heart, how, how incredibly kind and, and graceful we can be with other people when we consider our own hearts, when we consider who we are and how we've contributed to, to the situation, right? Um, and, and lastly, I would say this. Put the work in every day. It's an everyday kind of relationship. You can't, if you try and coast in this relationship, you will grow apart, I promise you. You will. You, and that's what happens. In fact, you know, when people in their middle ages, you know, they get busy with kids and all this kind of stuff, and the husband and wife start to, not spend as much time together, and they start growing apart and growing apart and growing apart, and the kids become the focus of the relationship, and so your, your child-centered um, family, you're not husband-wife-centered, and so what happens is that relationship grows apart, then your kids leave, but you guys are out here. How in the world can you, can you, can you, can you cohabit in a house when you're out here? You got to keep it here. That's what he's saying to you. Put the work in. The husband and wife need to leave everything else behind and cling to each other and allow the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be who you're called to be in the relationship. If you do that, you, you will never, ever have to hear the word divorce, ever. Your husband's not going to do it perfectly. You, you know, your wife is not going to do it perfectly. But I promise you that God will bring that oneness. And it's as the word says, you've got to keep him, number one. If you love Jesus with everything you've got, 
She loves Jesus with everything she's got. There's no way that can't work. There's no way that can't work. Right? A third cord strand is not easily broken. You keep the Lord the center of the relationship. You do what you're called to do. You be the husband. You be the wife that you're called to. And this relationship will look just like Christ and the church. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning and for, uh, Lord, just this incredible exhortation to us as husbands and wives. And I know that there are those here this morning that aren't in that situation, but we thank you that your word is applicable in every circumstance, in every situation, whether we are married, whether we are not married, Lord, it, it's applicable to us. For what an incredible illustration that is of how much you love us, how much you love your church. And Father, we ask this morning that you would just help um, each and every person here today, Lord, to uh, look at their own hearts, examine their own hearts. Father, to, to just humble themselves, Lord, to, to fall in, in rank this morning as you commanded us mutually to submit one to another out of our reverence for Christ. For some of us, if we are in a marriage relationship and we are here this morning and, uh, Lord, we need to fall in rank. Will you help us do that today, God? Will you help us to submit to you, to surrender, Lord, our own rights to you this morning and to be obedient to you, to, re- to fear you more than anything, that we would surrender our lives to you, God, and uh, that, that you would then take us and transform us and make us the person you're calling us to be in this relationship. We do pray for healing over every marriage that's broken, God. And we ask you for each person to just begin by looking at their own heart, to just take the command that was given this morning and to apply it to our life. Not have our spouse apply what we heard today, but us personally right here, right now, that we would apply it, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do as an act of faith and obedience to your word this morning for each and every one of us. And Lord, I just want to pray for over anyone here that is in a broken relationship, that you are the healer of every heart. Every broken life, God, you can make whole. And we just thank you, God. We ask you to just bring healing and nurturing into the lives of your people this morning. And even for those who are um, still yet waiting on their spouse, Lord that you help them to, 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 to glean from this passage this morning, Lord, what it is that they're called to. So we just ask for your Holy Spirit to move in these last moments of this service, Lord, and that you bless it, Lord. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.